up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Pure Sports Pod. This is Matt Wyrick along with Kevin Haswell. Today is Thursday, May 31st, and we have missed a few episodes. Uh, like we've talked about before on a couple times, we've had to take some brief periods away from the show. Life happens, uh, and we're very sorry. And we are glad to be back, though, and hopefully roll into the rest of the summer uh, able to keep keep the show going. Kevin, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? You know, uh, we got the NBA Finals coming up uh, tonight, which will, will be great. You know, a lot of people holding you know the best player in the world. You know, basically saying he won't win the series. Blah blah blah. I'm excited to jump in the NBA Finals. It's going to be good. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to get our episode earlier this week, but uh, excited to jump back on the pod today and talk some topics. Yeah, before we get into that uh, NBA Finals, we have to talk about the Finals already going on, though, and that's the Stanley Cup, uh, where the Caps and Vegas Golden Knights have locked at one win apiece, uh, with the Capitals taking the most recent game last night, uh, one, uh, winning 3-2, to two, uh, getting goals from uh, usual suspect in uh, Alex Ovechkin and then Lars Eller, but also uh, from... A man who really hasn't been uh, a, a goal scorer very much, a defenseman, Bro- uh, Brooks Orpik, uh, who had the longest active streak of games without a goal uh, in the NHL. So for him to get a goal, that was pretty significant. Uh, and and it was, it's was it been an exciting series. I mean, I, obviously, Kevin and I are not NHL analysts. We won't pretend to be. Um, but uh, being a DC fan myself, I have to tune in and watch these games uh, just you know for my city. And it, it's been a lot of fun to watch. I mean, the Caps... Uh, going down in Game One after a really a back and forth affair, um, the, the Knights eventually pulling through. Uh, Tom Wilson uh, dealing a, a really you know gruesome hit, um, but then coming right back in Game Two, uh, the Caps coming here and you know going down one nothing. They're you know they're on the road already having lost the game. It's easy to see how a team might you know falter after that, but they came roaring back, uh, eventually winning three to two. Uh, Braden Holtby coming through with an incredible save in the final three minutes that really uh, is being deemed the save uh, right now by Caps fans. And, you know, it's been an exciting series to watch. I, I myself, you know, can find hockey to be almost dry at times with, you know, the little goal goal scoring between, uh, you know, with, without throughout the game. But this has been very, very exciting. There's been a ton of big hits. Uh, Yuheni, who's, who's Netsov, obviously lose, uh, being lost to injury, is going to play a big factor moving forward. But, you know, I've really enjoyed watching this series, and I think it's going to be a good one moving forward. Yeah, definitely. You know, we proclaimed on the podcast earlier this year that the, it was the Caps year. Um, you hear it from Barstool, you hear it from other guys. It's the Caps year. Um, so, you know, it was big for them to get a win in Vegas, really take back home, home ice advantage. And uh, I think the Caps are able to pull off pull off this uh, upset. I think if they went down 2-0 in Vegas, that would have been a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. Being down 2-0, especially in the finals um, of any sport, is, is tough to come back from. But you know, it was a huge win for them last night. Huge save by Holby at the end. And you know, I, I think that paves the momentum for them the rest of the series. I think the Caps end up winning in uh, probably six or seven games. Yeah, I mean, the Caps do have a losing record at home uh, throughout the playoffs this year. So they are going to have to kind of battle some demons there. Uh, in the Capital One Arena, but, you know, they're definitely going to have a huge crowd. I mean, the Capital One Arena was reported to have 14,000 fans inside the stadium last night while the game was being played in Vegas uh, just for a watch party. There were tons of videos coming out of, of fans storming the streets uh, just for this one win. I mean, it's the first Stanley Cup 
uh, finals win in, in franchise history. So, you know, definitely something to be celebrated. But the fans are coming in full force. Uh, the city is really rallying around, uh, you know, a team that is giving a chance to win its first title in any professional sport uh, aside from D.C. United. Um, going back to 1992 when the Redskins won their last Super Bowl. So, you know, this has been a championship-starved fan base and, and one that uh, is really looking for, you know, uh, a, a huge win here. And then, of course, there's Vegas. Uh, went through the shooting earlier this year. This is their first year of the team, you know, a first major sports team to ever be in Las Vegas, and they're already in the Stanley Cup Final. An incredible run for them, an improbable run after, you know, prior to the season, everyone talking about how bad the Golden Knights were going to be. They've defied all odds, and, you know, are, here they are. And, you know, with a better point total and more wins than the Caps in the regular season, they, they cruised a little bit more uh, throughout the playoffs. The Caps, of course, faced deficits in every single series uh, leading up to this one, and, and then again, went down one nothing here uh, after game one. So, you know, the Caps have shown resiliency, and, and, and as have the Knights. And I think this is going to be a lot of fun to watch it play out. I mean, I like to say it's the Caps year, but I'm a little biased. So uh, I'll hold off on any predictions for now and just kind of wait and see. I think Kuznetsov's injury uh, is going to be huge. But Lars Eller has been a, a suitable replacement for him. Uh, Ovi, you know, good as always, but not necessarily uh, going to be the focal point of the offense as much as he used to be. Uh, just because of his age. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how Holtby responds and, and how the rest of this team kind of moves on without Skudznetsov because, uh, you know, they're definitely losing a key player there. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, how how much of a Washington sports story would it be for the Caps to get all the way to the Stanley Cup final and then lose to an expansion team from Vegas? That would just be such a classic Washington sports move to lose in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, to the mm. Golden Knights, you know, too bad. I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, that would just—I would not be surprised if that's the way it ends up. You know, at the end of the day, it's just the most, the most Washington sports ending you could think of. You know, they finally get past the Penguins, finally make a move up the playoffs, and then they lose to an expansion team in their first year. While it's not embarrassing because the Golden Knights were one of the best teams in the NHL this year, it's still, you know. It's it's tough for you know it's going to be tough for Washington fans to to swallow if it happens. No, I totally agree, and uh, I'm I'm gotta confess that part of the reason I'm rooting for uh, you know the Caps to win so hard is because if they snap this this curse, you know it gives the Nats a better chance of uh, going all the way uh, for the World Series later uh, at the end of the MLB season. So. Uh, you know, I'd love for DC to to get rid of these playoff horrors that they've had in the past, but you know, it really would be so DC uh, to see this happen. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, it's gonna be it's been an exciting series so far, and I'm sure it will be the rest of the way. But these are two very good teams and ones that'll surely uh, go down to the wire. So I'm looking forward to probably. I think this is the first Stanley Cup I'm probably gonna watch all the way through. Uh, you know, in, in recent years, just seeing the Penguins in there hasn't really given me much reason to tune in, but. Um, you know, this is definitely one that I'm, I'm going to be watching and I'm excited uh, to see it kind of go the rest of the way. Now, NBA Finals, Cavs and Golden State Warriors starting tonight, ABC, 9 p.m. This is the fourth straight time that we are seeing the Cavaliers and Warriors uh, play in the NBA Finals. We, of course, have Golden State holding the 2-1 to edge uh, between these two teams in that uh, you can call it a series now, which is just crazy to think about. Um, but... You know, the Cavs are, are coming in here after winning a Game 7 against Boston. 
you know, in a very uh, defensive matchup, winning 87-79, whereas Houston uh, lost Chris Paul uh, in Game 6 to a hamstring injury, and he was unable to come back in Game 7, paving the way for the Warriors to win 101-92. Uh, you know, we, we thought we were going to be getting two different teams. I certainly didn't believe the Cavaliers would make it this far. Uh, and the Rockets looked, you know, good enough to get to where they are. Kevin, are you really surprised in any way that we're seeing Cavs Warriors uh, once again in the NBA Finals? You know, I, I think it was a little misleading for, you know, both of these series to go seven games. You know, at the beginning of it, I, I said, I personally said Warriors at seven. Um, so my prediction was right there. I, I also said Cavs at five, so that was wrong. But... You know, I don't think at the end at the beginning of the playoffs, um, you know, a lot of people might want to have the hot, might have wanted to have the hot take of the Sixers or the Celtics going to the finals. But I think everyone kind of knew the Cavs were going to somehow pull out this Eastern Conference, especially after the Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward injury. Uh, and then you look at the other side, and you know, I think everyone thought the Warriors were the best team in the Western Conference. The only question with them was injuries. I'm not really surprised to end up Cavs Warriors Part Four. I think this is the worst part of their four uh, four year series. Um, you know, I think this is the furthest apart these two teams have ever been. But um, you know, I, I think this is probably a four or five game series. I know we'll talk about that coming up. But you know, it, it's you know it, it's tough to watch that Rockets Warriors game because or that Game Seven because I was pulling for the Rockets so hard. It was the only chance that the Cavs have to really win the finals. I think they would have matched up well uh, with a Rockets team without Chris Paul. I think it would have been a great series, but uh, the Rockets couldn't pull it off. They went, you know, I think they, at one point they went 0 for 27 from three-point range. It was pitiful, hard to watch. I don't even know if I want to watch the finals now. Uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be ugly. You know, I will because I'm a huge NBA fan, but I, I, I don't know if I can watch it at the end of the day. Um, but you know, it, it's part four. It's something, you know, some people will say it's bad for the NBA. Uh, I personally think it's great for the NBA. You know. It makes, you know, if you, if you can't beat them, you can't complain. I mean, there's 28 other teams that are trying to beat these two teams, so uh, they can't get it done. And uh, I don't blame the NBA for this. I think it's, uh, you know, I think the other teams just have to get better. But I, I personally do like the, the the fourth round of this series. You know, you're pinning up the best player in the world against the best team in the world, and uh, it, it's going to be good to watch, even though it'll be a blowout. Yeah, the Warriors are favored by 12.5 points uh, by Vegas' standards uh, going into this Game 1. And it's definitely, like you said, probably the farthest apart these two teams have been in terms of uh, matchups against each other. I mean, this Cavs team has so many holes, uh, and LeBron is just willing it, you know, this far. I mean, it, honestly, I, I think, you know, this season can't hurt LeBron's legacy. Yeah, he has a losing record in the finals, uh, you know, and I'm not going to bring up the MJ-LeBron debate, or you know, that's just... Uh, I, I think you got to wait until LeBron's end of his career personally to really get into that. But, you know, for LeBron to be able to take a team as crappy as this one and to will it this far, I mean, is absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, he might even have to do it without Kevin Love, who's still going co- through concussion protocol right now. Uh, they're not really sure if they're going to get him back for game one. Draymond Green is reportedly uh, said to be ready to go. Andre Iguodala, however, will be missing this first game at least. So, you know, both sides are dealing with some injuries. But regardless, this this Golden State team, I mean, it, it's on another level. There's no way getting around it. Yes, the Rockets were the number one seed in the West. But like we were saying the entire series, we expected Golden State to come through. And it did. 
Uh, and they just know how to turn on the switch when it comes to playoff time, and, and, and so does LeBron, apparently. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that, you know, it doesn't really matter who you put around him. He's the best player in the world. There's no way around it. He's going to find ways to win. I don't think there's anyone out there that thinks the Cavaliers aren't going to steal at least, least one game uh, in this series. Yes, you know, Golden State's the better team, and there, there are probably going to be some blowouts in this series, but... Uh, you know, to think that, that LeBron is not going to be able to get at least one win, I mean, that's, you know, preposterous in my opinion. So I don't think this series is going to be close. I don't think it's going to be even fun to watch in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, yes, there's going to be some highlights, but, you know, it's the same players we're seeing every year. And like you said, you know, unless you can beat them, you're going to have to deal with them. Uh, Kevin Durant even going as far to say, you know, if you want drama, we got movies and TV for that. Uh, this is the NBA. So, you know, Kevin Durant, uh, this is actually the third time he's faced LeBron uh, in the finals, having uh, gone one and one in the first two matchups, obviously losing uh, when he was a member of the Thunder to LeBron, who's a member of the Heat, and then beating him uh, as a member of the Warriors, um, and now, you know, him as part of the Cavaliers. So uh, this is uh, this is going to be fun. Um, I think there are some parts, you know, seeing LeBron do his thing, seeing Steph Curry do his thing. You know, that's going to be a lot of fun to see. But, you know, as far as, as the storylines and the drama goes, you know, this is a series that will probably disappoint in a lot of ways. So, uh, yes, it's the fourth straight time we've seen these two teams. But, you know, we don't know where LeBron's going to go after this year. So it could be the last. So I guess it, with that in mind, I guess we just have to try and try and enjoy it. Yeah, and I think we have to give a lot of credit to LeBron James. Uh, you know, what he's done throughout this whole postseason. I mean, down 3-2 against both the Pacers and the Celtics figures out a way to win the, both of those series and, and you know brings his team to the brings his team to the final for finals for the eighth straight year uh, you know it's unprecedented and at the end of the day you know he's, he's taken probably the, if you take away LeBron James from that Cavaliers team they're one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference I mean this is probably the worst team that's ever been to the NBA Finals I can't think of a worse team that's been able to win a conference in the NBA than you know a team with their second best score being Jeff Green in Game 7. I mean, this team is pitiful, and LeBron James has taken them to the NBA Finals. Um, his The eighth, eighth consecutive time he's done it, and it's incredible. You know, I really feel bad for all those people out there that hate on LeBron James because you're really just you're missing out on one of the greatest players ever. Um, the fact that he's able to do this year after year. He's played 500 50 more minutes than any other player in the NBA this year. That's just incredible. It's almost a 12-game difference when you think about it, and the numbers he put it, he's putting up are some of the best of his career. So, you know, hats off to LeBron James. Uh, it's it's going to be a good finals. I mean, I think LeBron will be able to keep it close at times. Um, but I think we just have to, you know, if they get beaten four or five games, people are going to be quick to jump on the, the hating bandwagon on LeBron James saying he's lost six NBA Finals, but at the end of the day, he made that nine times. He brought a lot of teams that probably didn't deserve to go to the Finals um, to the NBA Finals, and I think he deserved a lot of credit. So with Kevin Love out for this Game 1, obviously LeBron is going to be leaning on heavily uh, to be part of, you know, this be the main focal point of his offense as he has been the entire playoffs. But, you know, Love has been the secondary scorer, averaging 13.9 points per game uh, throughout this postseason run. Kevin who do you think is going to be, you know, the next man up with, with Kevin Love? Is there going to be a next man up, or are we going to be seeing, you know, basically nobody able to contribute to the level that Kevin Love has been able to this so, so far this postseason? Well, you know, Kevin Love hasn't really done much this postseason, to be honest. He's had, you know, every other game seems like he has a decent performance. Um, but, you know, I think they're going to need the rest of that team to step up. I mean, you 
you're going to need the likes of George Hill to score double digits. You're going to need Jeff Green to score double digits. You're going to need uh, Jordan Clarkson to keep productive minutes off the bench. You're going to need Larry Nance to just be more than a statue out there like he's been the entire playoffs. I mean, they're going to need production up and down. Uh, they're going to have to be extremely deep. The only reason the Rockets were able to take the Warriors to seven games is because of their depth. I mean, one through seven, the Rockets were probably better than the Warriors one through seven. The only difference was that the Warriors one through four was tremendously better than the Rockets one through four, and that made the difference in that series. I mean, Kevon Looney and Jordan Bell were pitiful when out on the floor. Same with Sean Livingston, one and two great. And so um, it's going to it's gonna be the Cavaliers' depth that will give them any chance in the series. Uh, you know, Kevin Love, I think, is going to be a tough matchup. Um, he's going to be tough for the Cavaliers to put out him out on the floor because of how slow he is up and down the floor. I think they can expose him a little bit. And, you know, they're going to need him to score and hit three-pointers. I, I just – there's so many things that need to go right and so many things that need to go wrong for the Warriors. So many things that need to go right for the Cavaliers and so many things that need to go wrong for the Cavaliers to somehow pull out a game. And that's the problem I have with this series is, you know, the Cavs basically need to have the best, you know, one through eight performance. And they've had all season. Um, and the Warriors just need to, you know, fall asleep for an entire game, which they haven't done this postseason. So it's going to be interesting. Um, they're going to lose. Losing Kevin Love is definitely a difference. But, you know, they're, regardless, they're going to need their, the rest of their bench to step up. Yeah, I mean, when you're asking guys like George Hill and Jeff Green to really step up, you know you're in deep water uh, when it comes to, you know, winning an NBA playoff series. I mean, never mind the finals. I mean, this is these are guys that, you know, aren't, haven't been focal points of offenses for years and especially good offenses. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine that the Cavaliers are able to, to win in any way. And like you said, I mean, for the Cavaliers to, to pull off even one win, the, the Warriors are going to have to fall asleep for half the game. Uh, and we did see some, some lulls of performances against the, the Rockets, you know, game one notably uh, was, it was a tough one. You know, Steph Curry wasn't putting together the, the numbers that uh, he, you know, can put together uh, against the Rockets. But I think that, you know, Everybody's human. There's going to be a game where the, where the Cavs get away with, with a couple things and, and come out with a win, probably in, in Cleveland, uh, to say the least. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, it's There's a lot of storylines here with LeBron. You know, obviously nine straight is huge. He's a legend. He's been one of the greatest players of all time, if, if not the greatest, um, which, of course, like I said, is a debate for another day. Um, but, you know, for him to will his team this far, uh, it, it's been an incredible run. And, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, what he does this offseason. I think that's honestly just as big a storyline as this finals because, you know, with considering everybody already kind of looking past the Warriors winning it and to on to, all right, where's LeBron going next year? Uh, you know, that's going to play a, a huge, huge th uh, difference uh, with this Eastern Conference. I mean, if, if LeBron leaves and goes to the West, say he signs with the Lakers, I mean, yes, the Celtics would be your, your de facto best team uh, in the East, but think about where all the the other free agents are going to go. I mean, if, if LeBron's gone, you know, between the Lakers having LeBron and uh, the Warriors being the Warriors, nobody's going to want to sign with a Western Conference team. I mean, you know, there's no way getting around that. You know, I, I'd like to think, you know, aside from the guys that do sign with the Lakers, you know, Paul George has been rumored to go there uh, with LeBron, uh, you know, whoever else they do end up signing, all, all these other free agents are going to be going east, and, and we're going to see some different teams next year. Uh, you know, we had a crazy offseason last year that saw uh, a big shakeup in the standings, um, you know, especially over in the west with a lot of teams going over there, notably the Timberwolves, you know, getting Jimmy Butler, uh, Chris Paul going to the Rockets, among several other moves, and of course the Thunder coming together uh, the way they did. Uh, 
you know, it, it's been interesting to see, you know, that kind of shake up. And I, I'm, I'm wondering what happens to the East because, you know, LeBron broke the Eastern Conference. He really did. Uh, you know, once he started to really emerge as the top player, uh, there was no way really getting around the fact that other teams, you know, couldn't beat him. I mean, the fact that he's gotten to the to the um, NBA Finals in nine straight years, you know, there's no other Eastern Conference team that's been able to get there in that entire span. Uh, and that's pretty sad in a lot of ways. So, uh, you know, I think how does the Eastern Conference rebound from here? Obviously, you know, the Celtics have been uh, on the incline. Uh, the Rockets are, are just all over the place, you know, having fired their head coach. Um, but, you know, still have a, a ton of talent. You know, they obviously finished with the best record in the East. Are they still poised to... Uh, make a run next season, you know, we'll see. The 76ers obviously had the process. They're coming into their own. So, you know, these are teams that were kind of bracing for LeBron to leave. So I think that's huge as to what conference he picks because that's going to change the entire outlook of, of what the rest of the free agent class does. And I wouldn't be surprised if we had a slow offseason uh, until LeBron signs because a lot of players aren't going to want to sign with any teams before they know, you know, what they're going to be up against. Yeah, and I also think a lot of teams aren't going to go out and sign players until they know that LeBron James or not. Uh, you know, the Rockets are definitely going to have to make quite the, the decision. Um, Clint Capella is set to be a free agent, uh, and you know, there's probably teams out there uh, that would go out and give him a max offer sheet. So we'll see um, how that works out. The Rockets theoretically can't keep Chris Paul, Clint Capella, and LeBron and get LeBron James. Um, they have to give up one of the two in order to get LeBron. You would think that the odd man out there would be Clint Capella to keep Chris Paul. So there would be some decisions to be made there. Um, the Sixers are not going to have an issue paying um, LeBron or, or the Lakers. They don't really have to move stuff around. They both have uh, a max max spot open. And at this point, I don't think LeBron's taking a pay cut. Um, to stay with the Cavaliers, he would, he would definitely get the max offer. Um, but that would basically close up any other, uh, any other options for the team to make. And so they have to keep George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, all these guys are being paid 20-plus million dollars a year. I don't think he ends up going back to Cleveland. You know, it's going to be a long offseason. The best thing about the NBA is basically a 12-month season. You know, the entire offseason is is almost as entertaining as the regular season is. You know, you got Woj dropping Woj bombs all summer. So um, it's going to be exciting. uh, I'm interested to see where LeBron ends up. Um, my, my guess would be Houston or Philly at this point. Um, probably leaning more towards Phil, or towards Houston because of his friendship with Chris Paul. Um, but you know, we'll see. Uh, I, I don't think it re- if, whether or not they win these finals, I don't think it affects where he goes. Even if Cleveland was somehow able to pull off this finals win, which you know, I'd say is like a 0.1% chance of happening, I, I don't see LeBron staying in Cleveland. I just don't. There's not enough, fle- not enough flexibility on the roster. Um, the only reason he would stay is he wants to be a cab for the rest of his life. I, I just, I don't see that. He's more the type to go somewhere and build a new, build a new dynasty and, and close out his career on a high note. Yeah, I mean, he already, you know, got Cleveland its championship, and I think that was a big thing he was trying to do his entire career was. You know, even when he went to the Heat, you know, he, he had the "I'll be back" kind of vibe. Um, and he did come back, and he got and won that championship for Cleveland, and, and now the city has been able to, you know, embrace that, embrace LeBron and everything, and, and his work is kind of done. At this point, now it's about him. It's about cementing his legacy. It's about cementing, you know, who he is and what he brings to the basketball court on a daily basis, and I just don't think the, the mm-hmm. cast that Cleveland has put around him is going to be good enough uh, to convince him. Um, 
you know, to stay past, uh, to stay in uh, Cleveland past this year. But, you know, we'll have to see. I mean, it's going to be an interesting storyline for sure. Uh, you know, this is going to be a tough decision for LeBron. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Also, um, sorry, I drifted off there for a second, but I just got a notification from Adam Schefter, of all people, that Kevin Love has been cleared to play in game one. Uh, he says he's not just sticking to football, breaking some basketball news there. Uh, so mm-hmm. Kevin Love is, in fact, going to be playing game one. Uh, definitely big for them. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see kind of where the Cavs go from here. Because uh, even with Kevin Love, uh, I'm not sure if this team matches up necessarily. You, you know, they are the Warriors are without Andre Iguodala, which is huge. Um, but at the same time, you know, th- this Cavs team, even with Kevin Love, uh, probably won't be able to uh, match up with the Warriors. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, at the end of the day, what's your prediction here in this series, Matt? Uh, I'm going to have to go with Warriors in five. Uh, I really think this Warriors team is a lot better. i got to give James, you know, the greatest player in the world is going to steal a game. Yeah, I don't think there's any way of getting around that. Uh, he's going to, he's probably on his own own home court. Uh, it's going to happen, but, you know, I can't imagine the Cavs winning any more than that because this Warriors team is just way too good for them. Uh, you know, like you said, maybe if the Rockets had gotten in there, they could have put up a fight. But even then, I still would have probably picked the Rockets to win it all. So uh, I'm sticking with the Warriors on this one and, and probably in five games. Yeah, you know, I'll have to agree with you on that one. I think it's, it's Warriors in five. You know, we've seen throughout the playoffs that the, the Warriors do have a tendency to fall asleep game uh, a couple quarters at a time. And uh, if LeBron puts together a good enough performance, he might be able to steal one game. But, you know, I think this Warriors team's going to be focused, ready to go and they win this series in five games. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our NBA portion of the show. Uh, We'll be back on, I believe, Sunday, uh, or Monday, sorry, to talk about um, uh, the first couple games, and and we'll run you through a few storylines there. So we will be back to talk about NBA on Monday. For now, though, uh, we're going to shift gears over to baseball, where we obviously have seen a power shift uh, in the major leagues. Last year, it was a big topic of conversation when we were on visitors' bullpen as to which side of uh, baseball, the American League or the National League, uh, was better because the National League had a couple of powerhouses uh, and the rest of the teams kind of middling around for uh, the wild card spots where uh, the American League was a bunch of mediocre teams and they were all fighting you know, for that top spot. It was a lot more competitive, a lot more teams that were maybe didn't have as good of records uh, in contention, but uh, more teams involved. And, and we ultimately decided that the National League was better because they had better teams, uh, and we preferred that side. Connor McCarthy, who we brought on uh, to talk American League, he disagreed. But now the tables have turned where the American League has three powerhouse teams in the Red Sox, Yankees, and Astros. Meanwhile, the National League... Uh, has a ton of teams that are still in contention for not only division titles but the wild card spots um, all over the place. I mean, you know, we talk about the Dodgers who got off to a dreadful start, only three and a half games back in the NL West. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers somehow emerging in the NL Central, four and a half games over the Cubs. But then there's four teams within four and a half games in, in the NL East. So, uh, you know, the best record in the NL is the Brewers at 36 and 21. Uh, meanwhile, of the three top teams, uh, in the American League, uh, we have 35-win Astros, 35-win Yankees, and 39-win Red Sox. Now, Kevin, I want to look at the National League East here. Uh, you know, as we talked about, there's there's a ton of, you know, four teams within four and a half games. Uh, it could go anyone's way right now. Which team do you think, you know, obviously we were both going to have some bias here in the Nats and Phillies. 
Um, but which team? I, I can't imagine you know saying at least one of these teams won't make uh, the wild card uh, spot, one of the wild card spots. But which two teams would you say uh, are going to be making the playoffs by the end of the year? Yeah, you know, I gotta say it's going to be the Nationals and the Phillies at the end of the day. Um, you know, the Phillies rotation has really been cemented as you know one of the best top twos in baseball with Aaron Nola being Cy Young candidate at the top of the rotation, along with Jake Arrieta, who's got his ERA right above two now. Um, you know, they've both been pitching so well, even when they're going through a tough stretch like they are right now. Uh, you know, they still pull up two wins in their last five games. Uh, not a coincidence that two of those games were Arietta and Nola pitched games. So, you know, the bullpen, I think, needs to be uh, changed up a little bit. I think Hector Neris, needs, his role needs to be reduced. And Sir Anthony Dominguez, I think he needs to be moved to the closer role. He's He's been terrific. They kind of used him uh, like a uh, Andrew Miller where they used him in crunch time situations. They don't really, he doesn't have a cemented role. He's just put in uh, whenever they need him. But... You know, I just don't believe in this Braves team to be uh, to be the first wild card. You know, actually, I, I don't I, I don't think there's going to be teams from other divisions in the playoffs. I think it's going to be three from the National League East. I've, I believe that um, this entire time. I believe in the Braves. I don't believe in the Braves to get the first wild card spot. I think the Phillies will get that. But I think the Braves um, have you know the offense with Ozzy Albies. Um, I know Acuna went on the DL, but he'll he'll be coming back strong and. You know, I think there's going to be three teams from the National League East. I think Atlanta and Philadelphia will be the wild card. Nationals have really showed they've turned it around and that they're going to win the division once again. Um, you know, especially with all the injuries, once they get everyone back, they're going to be a dangerous team. But, you know, I really like the way the Phillies and the Braves have been playing. There's a couple ways to look at this here. I mean, we've got a four-game series coming up between the Nats and the Braves uh, starting tonight uh, at 7.30, uh, beginning in Atlanta. Uh, with everybody except for uh, Scherzer pitching for the Nats, um, so a def- and everyone but Tehran pitching for the Braves. So it's going to be a test of depth here in terms of their starting rotation, which pitchers can uh, hold up. I mean, Sean Newcomb has been a huge surprise for them. Um, you know, he he's definitely uh, been a, a good prospect, one that was con- getting David Price comps uh, back when he was coming up with the uh, Angels before he was traded in the Anderson Simmons trade, but. Uh, you know, I I, I, got, I believe in these Braves. I, I got to say, you know, even with Acuna on the DL, uh, this has been a, a really exciting offense to watch. I mean, it's it's no secret, you know, they've been good with the bat. I mean, they've scored the most runs in the National League. Uh, and it, it's it's really been, you know, not surprising with, with, with the ceilings of some of these players. I mean, Dansby Swanson finally coming into his own a little bit. Going through a bit of a rough stretch right now, but still has modest numbers. Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna are two of the, the most exciting young players in baseball, you know, 20 and 21 years old. They're going to be good for a long time, and this Braves offense is going to be good for a long time. Freddie Freeman uh, having a career year, an MVP candidate for sure, uh, you know, always been one of the better hitters, kind of underrated, uh, and locking down that first base spot. Then, you, of course, you have Nick Markakis, who out of nowhere is, you know, having a, a career year. I think his OPS Plus is around 140 uh, which is pretty incredible for a guy who's been known as uh, a defense first outfielder for a long time. Ender Inciardi has been has been good at the top of the lineup. So I really like this Braves team. I think they're here to stay. The run differential plus 56 is the best uh, in the NL East, which kind of shows that you know they're outscoring teams by a lot. You know it's even higher than the Nats, who are at plus 52 right now. Uh, and even though they're they're losing a bit, you know they split a four game series with the Mets, um, who we, we'll talk about in a second. You know, I really think this Braves team uh, is going to stick around. A lot of people aren't believing in them because they're so young. Uh, and, you know, they were considered behind the Phillies in terms of their rebuild. You know, the Phillies were a sexy pick for a lot of people in terms of who's going to be 
you know, coming into their own this season, you know, thought, okay, maybe the Phillies can uh, come up a year early there if they can have some guys come the right way. The Braves weren't really including those conversations, but here they are. Uh, and it's kind of similar to what the Nats did in 2012. I mean, they were considered a year away. You know, Bryce Harper hadn't come up yet. Uh, and even before Harper came up, they were doing really well. Their offense was just struggling. So they brought him up to be a spark plug, and, and he was there. Acuna, you know, same exact way. I mean, their offense was, was hitting well, uh, and they, you know, had a hole in center field. Preston Tucker, as good as he is, you know, isn't a starting outfielder by any means. And for, for Acuna to come in and, and really just take the league by storm, it's been a lot of fun to watch. So I, I think this Braves team uh, is going to be in contention for the number one spot in the division. I think the Nats are the better team. You know, they finally hit their stride after a slow start. Uh, you know, their, their starting rotation has been absolutely ridiculous, the best in the National League by far. Uh, it really hasn't been close. I mean, yes, the Astros are the best rotation in baseball, but I think the Nats are, with that relative shouting distance to them, uh, you know, with how deep they are, you know, Scherzer obviously pitching like a, a Cy Young candidate and even an MVP candidate, you know, in some conversations. Uh, behind him, though, Gio Gonzalez has been so underrated. He's a 2.10 ERA. Uh, Steven Strasburg still striking out hitters at prolific rates. Tanner Roark has kind of rediscovered his you know, in her, uh, even year itself, he, he's for some reason struggles in odd years, but in even years, he's been very good and has been this year, pitches again tonight uh, against Newcomb. And then there's Jeremy Hellickson, uh, who's been pitching like nobody's business, uh, you know, is, hasn't pitched enough to be qualified. Um, but since the Nats have dumped A.J. Cole, they've had a very, very strong rotation top to bottom. And I got to imagine that, you know, the offense with the addition of Daniel Murphy in the next few days uh, and Adam Eaton within a week or so, uh, is going to be so deep, you know, they're going to have some tough decisions to make as who's, who do they cut, um, you know, once Ryan Zimmerman comes back, you know, they already have Mark Reynolds and Matt Adams as a lethal platoon, uh, you know, a combined 18 home runs between them, uh, Reynolds has only played in, I believe, 13 or 14 games and has six homers, so, you know, he's obviously going to cool down a little bit, but, uh, you know, this offense it has the potential to be really good. And I think once Eaton and Murphy get mixed in there, if Zimmerman can rebound when he comes back from injury and if Harper can hit for any kind of average, I mean, he leads, he's tied with Mike Trout for the league lead in home runs at 18. But, uh, you know, this offense has, has the potential. Sean Doolittle clo locking down that closer spot. You know, from top to bottom, this is a very complete team, and I think the Nats you know, are going to be right up there with the Braves. Now, the Phillies and the Mets, I think, are another conversation. The Phillies. Uh, are questionable to me. Um, the back end of their rotation, I think they're going to need to look for another starter uh, in in uh, the trade market. You know, they, I, I don't think that in the playoffs this team is going to be able to match up uh, in terms of a seven-game series or a five-game series. Uh, obviously, having Aaron Nola and, and Jake Arrieta at the top of the rotation, they can match up with almost anybody. I mean, Nola, to me, uh, is top three in Cy Young right now. Uh, he should be, you know, in that conversation with Scherzer uh, and a few other guys, but uh, I just don't know about the depth. The offense, you know, is in the middle of the league in terms of runs per game. Uh, you know, has some key hitters in the center there. And Michael Franco has been a pleasant surprise, uh, you know, in, in his time uh, at, at the center of this lineup. But with Reese Hoskins now in the DL after getting hit in the face with a foul ball uh, and, you know, Scott Kingery really not performing the way that a lot of uh, league official uh, league or sorry, team officials hoped he would uh, heading into the season. It's just a little questionable for me. I think there might be a piece or two away from being a team that could go deep in the postseason uh, and go deep into the regular season. I mean, you know, this is they're struggling right now, like you said, uh, four and six in the last ten games. Uh, but you know, this is it's still a good team, and I think that they definitely have the potential to make the playoffs. I just don't know if they could go deep. 
Um, I'm not sure also that there's going to be three National League East teams. Uh, you know, the NL Central really stands out to me as it's, uh, you know, a, a division that we're going to be seeing more than one playoff team from. I mean, the Cubs, you know, are only 29 and 23, four and a half games behind the Brewers in that Central. But I think both the Brewers and the Cubs have the stuff to make the postseason. So there's going to be have, have to be one of these three NL East teams that's kind of on the outside looking in. And then finally, the Mets, they're a dumpster fire. I mean, they got up to a hot start, and, you know, good, kudos to them when their pitching staff was together, but, you know, no center guards on the DL. Jacob deGrom's dealing with an issue. Uh, you know, they're, they're just up top to bottom. They're, they they just can't sustain, I mean, a full season of play, and it's disappointing because this rotation, it's so good when it's all together, but, you know, I don't think they can really have that anymore. I mean, just looking at how these players are, they've already moved on from Matt Harvey and had to kind of, you know, go forward from there, but with Jason Vargas being a main guy of the rotation now, and he's not doing well, uh, it, it just stands out to me as a, a huge problem for the Mets, and I don't see them uh, being in contention at all uh, come the end of the season. So, you know, for me, I think the Nats are, are eventually going to win the, the division. I think they're the better team. They're the more experienced team. And I, I think this could be a year where we see them go deep in the playoffs. But I think as far as the, you know, the wild card spot goes, the Braves really stand out to me as the true threat to the Nats in the NL East. Yeah, you know, I, I could agree with that. Um I, I'm pretty high on the bridge as well. Uh, you know, after the hot start earlier in the season, uh, I probably said I wouldn't be, but seeing Ozzy Albies and the rest of this lineup really come together, um, and they have the young pitchers that are, are really um, succeeding on the mound, I mean, it, it's hard to not look at this Braves team as a threat. Um, you know, I think the Phillies wound up making a trade, trade deadline acquisition um, for the middle of that lineup at another bat. You know, Dougal Herrera has been terrific this year, hitting about 320 uh, with over uh, 100, um, with an 870-something um, OPS. So, you know, I, I think they're just, you know, one one good bat and one bullpen arm away um, from being a true contender in the in the National League. And then the Mets are just, yeah, like you said, it's a dumpster fire. After starting the year 9-1, um, they're way far back. They fell all the way down to, you know, fourth in the division. And, you know, the Syndergaard D. Elston, um, it's not it's not great either, so uh, I'm not high on the Mets, and then obviously the Marlins is just, you know, they're the, they're the Marlins. They're the Marlins. So, <laughs> yeah, so at the end of the day, I agree with you. I think the Nationals are, are going to are going to win the division. Um, the, the Braves uh, are, are probably a wild card team. You know, I think the place we disagree is I think the Phillies will end up having a better record than the Braves, but that's a little biased by me. And then I think we both agree that the Mets um, are not going to be a playoff contender this season. Here's what I think happens uh, with the Phillies. I mean, you know, they're going, is it Zach Eflin right now as the number five starter, um, replacing Ben yeah. Lively? Yeah, wait, well, they're waiting for Jared Eikhoff to come back off the DL because Jared Eikhoff uh, had a setback last week from his injury. So uh, they've been having to use Eflin. He hasn't been that great. He gave up five earned in, in four innings last night. Yeah, so, I mean, Nola, Paveda, Velasquez, and Arietta. I think that's obviously a very solid top four. Um, Velasquez concerns me a little bit, you know, he's always kind of had to harness, uh, his stuff. It's, it's been an issue for him. Uh, his walk rates have not been great, uh, over, you know, the course of his career, uh, you know, leads the team with 21 walks so far this season. Um, but still, you know, also leads the team in strikeouts. So, you know, he's just one of those kind of guys who, you know, is just young, uh, and unable to control his stuff necessarily. I think that, you know, 
outside of that top four, they're going to need a fifth starter uh, just to you know bridge the gap between the rest of the year because the the pennant race through the end of the regular season is going to be so huge uh, in terms of you know how many teams are going to be contending in the NL East. You know you think oh well it's a fifth starter they're not going to need that in the playoffs so why bother? Well it's probably going to be pretty tough for them to get in the playoffs in the first place. So I think they're going to need to acquire a fifth starter. I also think they're going to need to get another bullpen arm at least one maybe two. Uh, you know, to fill out that pen, like you said, Hector Neris hasn't really been the guy uh, at the top um, of that bullpen. You know, obviously they bring in guys like Tommy Hunter, um, who you know have been able to you know pitch pretty well. But I think they're maybe a guy or two away from really having a deep bullpen. And then of course, as the lineup, like you said, I think a, another bat in the middle of that lineup is going to be big too. You know, uh, and I think you know with that many needs on a team that wasn't really supposed to be good this year. You know, they were a sexy pick, yes. But they're really their their aim was to be good next year after having you know the big free agency class that's going to come this offseason. They're probably going to make a run at Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, a few other guys. Um, but you know, for them to be so close to their target year and to you know reach close to expectations but not necessarily get there, I don't see them you know selling the farm to really. Be, go all in on this one year when they have so many years ahead of them. I mean, they you know they have some guys coming up in uh, the minors that will uh, you know contribute down the line, uh, and and I just can't see them you know going all in when they have such a bright future ahead of them. It would be not a great move for that front office, and and you know with the free agency class that's going to come up this off season, they're also going to want to have as much money as possible so they can you know cash it out to whoever needs it. Uh, and however they can outbid anybody else because you know with the amount of money that the Phillies have you know locked into to years in the future I mean it's really just Carlos Santana and Jake Arrieta uh, and maybe Odubel Herrera outside of that they don't really have any long-term deals uh, that they're worried about you know Arrieta's deal isn't even that long anyway so and, and neither Santana's right I mean it's only a few years um, three-year three year deal and, and Arietta's three years so I mean you know they don't really have anyone locked up long term aside from Herrera and he's on a team-friendly deal and a Kingery of course but he's even more team-friendly uh, so you know I, I'm I don't think that the Phillies are have the tools on their current roster to make a run uh, and unless they decide to you know forego the future and go in on this year which I just can't imagine happening with how much the team has been losing over the past few years you know they don't want to be uh, too frugal uh, with everything and and so We'll have to see. It's obviously going to be up to that front office, but my my guess is is that they don't go all in on the season uh, and kind of have to say, all right, you know, kind of like what the Brewers did last year, hang a hat on a good season. You know, they made it close to the playoffs. Uh, you know, maybe a, a small addition here uh, in in an area of depth that they can afford to give up. Um, but then look ahead to next season, and it's paying off for the Brewers so far. I mean, you know, the additions of Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain have been huge for them, uh, and they're a really exciting team to watch. So I think the Phillies can adapt to that mold a little bit uh, and, and kind of look toward next season as the true goal for them to be, you know, at the top of the division. Yeah, I, de- I definitely see what you're saying there. Um, you know, I think the rotation is the one thing to watch. I think that rotation has the potential um, to get them a wild card spot. I mean, you look at that top three with Nola, Arietta, and Pavetta. I mean, you got you got to think that those guys have the ability to get this team to 85 to 88 wins. Um, and then, you know, a couple breaks here and there gets them to 90, and they're right in that wild card hunt. So, you know, it'll be interesting. Um, I, I think next year is going to be, you know, the, the big year where they have that 95-plus win season, um, especially if they can go out and get either – uh, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, or both. Um, a lot of analysts are not putting that past them to get both with the amount of money they owe players next year. They have, by far, they have the 20th uh, most cap space in Major League Baseball uh, next year. So, or no, 20th 
uh, least amount of payroll next year, um, which means they have a lot of room to go out and get guys. And they were able to get one or both of those guys. Uh, they're instantly uh, contenders for World Series down the road. Yeah, and Philly's not a small market team. I mean, they have the money that they can dole it out. They just haven't had the need to dole it out because of all the contracts uh, that they had expiring. You know, Carlos Ruiz and Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, you know, the former guys who led them to World Series in years past. They kind of had to wait for those to all cash flesh out. And then once they did, they didn't really sign anybody to any long-term deals. They were bad. They were able to build up uh, players both in the draft as well as uh, through international bonus pool. So, you know, they, they've been looking at 2019 uh, as a target year for a long time, and I don't see them you know, changing course anytime soon. All right, that's going to wrap up our show today. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to check out our website, puresportsnetwork.com. Go to our Twitter at PureSportsNet, and check us out on Facebook at PureSportsNetwork. I'm Matt Wyrick. This is Kevin Haswell signing off. Kevin, any final words for the good people? Watch the NBA Finals, even if it's going to be a blowout. You're not going to want to miss the King going up against the best team in the NBA. Uh, hope you guys have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you, or a great weekend, honestly. We're almost to the weekend. Um, enjoy your weekend and we'll see you guys next week. Go Nats, go Caps, and thank you all so much for listening and have a good one.